So we've been in a new series uh, called True Freedom, which is rooted in the second book of the Bible called Exodus. And we defined true freedom as the ability to do what God wants us to do and be the people who God wants us to be. That is dissimilar to the definition our culture gives to freedom, which is the ability to do what I want to do and be the kind of person I want to be. And the big question last week that all of us have to confront is, are you really free? You may grow up with a message about how you you live in America and you have access to all these freedoms and those freedoms are good. But the question is, are you really free? Are you spiritually free? Are you free to do what God wants you to do and be the kind of person God wants you to be? But the the question this week is a little bit different. Do you really want to be free? I think freedom sounds good in theory or when we're at our lowest, but do we really want to be free from all of the vices in our lives? Do we really want to be free to say no to smoking just another pack whenever we're stressed? Do we really want to be free from shopping on Amazon and getting that two-day delivery? Do we really want to be free from the gossip mill? Because, we, I mean, we really enjoy it. We want to be in the know. We, we want to share other people's shames because the bottom line is... We enjoy aspects of our spiritual slavery. They bring us comfort. They bring us a sense of control, a sense of ownership over our life. We we think our slavery changes our feelings when we want to feel better. And as we'll see today, true freedom given by God has a cost. If slavery comes with all of these comforts that we receive, then true freedom will mean leaving things behind. There are mindsets that you reject, habits that have to be broken, comforts you won't enjoy in the same way if you have true freedom, because freedom has a price tag, it has a cost. And we don't want to ask this question out loud if we grew up in church and we know all the right churchy answers. But the question is, what will God ask of me? What if I don't want what God wants? What if I'm not ready to leave my old life behind? But the good news of this sermon is actually really simple. True freedom is greater than the comforts of our slavery. It really is better. And I want you to see that in the passages we talk about today. Uh, But before we get back into that passage, you need to know some background about the the character of Moses. Uh, Last week we talked about how the Israelites were enslaved by the Egyptians. Uh, We were talking about how because the Israelites were living in Egypt and expanding in numbers, Pharaoh basically decided, okay, if they team up with our enemies, they're going to destroy us from within. Earlier, they had kind of a truce. The Egyptians and Israelites will live together in peace. But now that these Israelites are growing in number, what if we can't stop their military? So 
Pharaoh doesn't just decide to like, oh, well, let's just ask them to leave to go to another place. He enslaves the Israelites. And he established this, this incredibly cruel policy. And he, he kind of has this cruel logic about it. He basically says, okay, armies require men... And if I'm going to take out this potential enemy, I need to get rid of all the Israelite men. So as soon as a baby boy is born to the Hebrews, we're going to throw him in the Nile River. And that's a policy he sends out to his entire empire in Egypt. But there's one Hebrew boy born in the midst of that policy whose life is spared. His mother tries to hide him for a few months, but it doesn't work for long. So her and her daughter actually come up with a plan. They know that the Egyptians believe that the the Nile River is almost like a divinity. And they know that, that gifts can come from the Nile to the Egyptians. So if a baby were to wash up on the shore of the Nile, this, much, this must be a gift from the gods of the Nile. So Moses' mother and sister place Moses strategically right where Pharaoh's daughter takes her daily baths. So Pharaoh's daughter comes out one day. She discovers Moses in the reeds, and she thinks this is a gift. She has compassion on him and brings Moses into the Egyptian family, the, the Egyptian royalty. And this boy grows up in the Egyptian courts. This is, this is sometimes we don't, we, we don't remember this aspect of his story. We're not familiar with it. But he actually grew up knowing Pharaoh. He grew up in that house. He knew where he came from, but he was raised by Egyptians. So one day, as a, as a young man, he goes out and he sees an Egyptian master beating a Hebrew slave. And there's something about this. Moses knows this is unjust. And he knows he's a Hebrew, so he can't just watch this Hebrew slave being beaten. So in a rage, he kills the Egyptian and tries to hide the body. He thinks, no one's going to find out about this. I'm going to be okay. I did the right thing. I stopped the injustice, but no one's going to know. And a few days later, he sees two Israelite slaves fighting with each other, and he tries to kind of settle this dispute between them. And they say, oh, are you going to do to us what you did to that Egyptian? The, the, the rumor is out. The, the, the fact that he killed this person is widespread news. So Moses realized he can't stay in Egypt. He was raised in Egypt, but he's not going to be shown any mercy. So he leaves. He settles down in this country called Midian. He sits down at this well, and right as he sits down, these seven shepherdesses come to take care of their flocks at the well. He provides for them, and he eventually ends up marrying one of these sisters. And so far, the whole story about Moses' life ends up with him comfortable in another country. He has nothing to worry about. He's married. He has two kids. He settles down in Midian, far away from all the other Israelites who were enslaved. Now, there's this tension in the story right there. Moses was born in Egypt under slavery, but now he's comfortable in Midian. But he has to know 
that all of his fellow Israelites are suffering. But he just ignores it. He doesn't go back. He doesn't try to save any of the Israelites. He's just comfortable in Midian. He becomes a shepherd, and one day he's tending his flocks, and he walks by this bush at the bottom of a mountain, and it's on fire, but the wood isn't actually burning. And he walks over to the bush, knowing something special is happening, and the voice of God speaks to him from within the bush, gives him this mission to go back to Pharaoh. And, and he, tells Moses, let, he tells Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And as the readers, when you're reading this, you get so excited. You think this is going to be a story of freedom. Moses is going to take on this mission. If you grew up in church, you can hear the Prince of Egypt soundtrack like coming out. And you can hear Whitney Houston sing. There can be miracles when you believe and you're getting so excited for what's going to happen in the story. And then Moses says, well, who am I? I mean, I'm not, I'm not worthy enough to do this. He gives all these excuses over and over and over again. Because Moses is like you and me. He's afraid. He gives these five excuses in a row. He says, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and free the Israelites. He says, but what if the Israelites ask what your name is or who are you? He says, well, what if they don't believe me? He says, oh, I'm not a good speaker, which I find really hard to believe because the rest of the book, he's constantly speaking. And then fifth and finally, he's just honest and he says, please just send anybody else. I know this is the right thing to do, God. I know that you want this for me. I just don't want this for me. I'm really comfortable. I know this should be done. I would just rather someone else do it. Moses is afraid of true freedom. He's afraid of its costs because he's settled down with his wife and his 2.5 kids and he's loving Midian and then God interrupts him with this mission. And this is a kind of slavery. We don't always talk about it this way, but it is a kind of slavery that thinks God would never ask me to do something that uncomfortable. God might ask other people, like monks and nuns and missionaries, God would ask those people to do difficult things, but God would never ask me. It's not the same kind of slavery as the Israelites, but it's still a kind of slavery. That even when you don't have shackles around your wrist, you have shackles around your heart. You can actually see this when the Israelites finally leave Egypt. When they're out in the wilderness, they don't have enough food. And they say, at least we had food in Egypt. It would have, better, it would have been better to live as slaves in Egypt than die out in the wilderness. Because slavery, in whatever form it takes in your life, is dependable and reliable, right? Right? 
Whatever, you're, whatever I'm enslaved to, it gives me relief. It gives me a sense of control. It calms me down. It distracts me. It makes me feel happy. Slavery has so many comforts and it's so reliable. And we don't want to give up our comforts. Uh, many of you know uh, Lee McLeod. Uh, he was a uh, youth minister here at this church a long time, uh, long time ago. And for those of you uh, who don't know him, uh, he actually found out that a guy from his high school uh, needed a kidney transplant. Um, and here's what happened when he realized uh, his friend needed a kidney. He decided, well, I have two, so I can give one of them up. And he went into surgery this week. His friend is already doing so much better. And here's the thing. There's, not, there's no, like, enslaving addiction in Lee McLeod's life. But he did give up comfort when God called him to give up comfort. And if there's any kind of enslaving force in our life, my bet is that we're enslaved to our comfortable lives. And God would never, never call us to be uncomfortable. But I love the fact that in spite of all the discomfort of Moses leaving Midian and going back to Egypt to free his people, I believe that God prepared him along the way to live the life he's calling him to live. Just think about Moses' life before and after Midian. So when he was a young baby... His, his mother and sister uh, strategically placed him in the, the Nile River and he was guided through it in the perfect spot next to Pharaoh's daughter. Later on in his life, he's going to guide Israel through another body of water. Earlier in his life, when he's a young man, he's raised in the palaces of Egypt. Later on in his life, he's going to be speaking to Pharaoh in his palace, demanding that the Israelites are set free. Earlier in his life, he fails to resolve disputes between the Israelites and Egypt. But later on, God is going to appoint him as a judge to resolve disputes between Israelites in the wilderness. This is, this is so comforting to know. When God is calling you to something uncomfortable, something difficult, God is preparing you for the life of freedom he wants you to enjoy right now. I mean, if you just, I, I just, this has been amazing in the kind of research building up to this sermon. If you just follow the staff of Moses all the way through the book of Exodus, you'll see just how involved God has been the whole time. He was a, he used his staff as a shepherd with his flock, but then in chapter four, God tells Moses to use his staff as a sign of power. In chapter 7, Moses puts his staff in the Nile River and it turns to blood. In chapter 14, Moses, Moses raises his staff over the Red Sea and it parts in two for the Israelites to walk through it. In chapter 17, when the Israelites fight an enemy, Moses intercedes by holding up his staff. Over and over and over, we see God strategically planning for this, strategically preparing Moses for this life of freedom. Even if you aren't free right now, 
God is preparing you. And he's not going to leave you alone either. I love all of God's responses to Moses. Moses says, who am I? And he says, well, I'll be with you. And Moses says, well, who are you? And he says, I am who I am. And then he says, well, what if they don't believe me? And he goes, here are three miracles to perform. I will give you all of them. Moses says, I'm not a great speaker. And he says, well, I made your mouth. It'll be fine. I'll teach you exactly what to say. And then he says, please send someone else. I'm just going to be honest. I don't want to do this. And God says, by the way, your brother Aaron, he is already on the way because I knew these excuses you would give and I am going to equip you. He's already on the way. Stop with the excuses. You need to do this, regardless of how uncomfortable it makes you. We see this preparation happen all over the Bible. You just pick a character and you'll see their life before and after an encounter with God, and God is preparing them. David, just like Moses, is a shepherd before he comes, becomes king, and God uses his shepherding as preparation. Joseph has had these vivid dreams throughout his life, and God uses his dreams to save Egypt from a famine. Peter is a fisherman, and Jesus says, oh, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. As you spread the gospel, you're going to be able to catch people just like you were a fisherman. Paul is a Pharisee before God calls him, and God uses his passion, his Pharisaical passion as he spreads the gospel. Over and over and over, God prepares people. He doesn't look at our past and only see obstacles to overcome. He looks at your past and he knows, I'm going to use that. I'm going to transform it and redeem it for the life of freedom I'm offering you. I got to... uh, Worked for this church in Atlanta uh, with a guy named Adam Paw, and he ran this program called Celebrate Recovery. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's a program pretty similar to Alcoholics Anonymous. And Adam Paw was kind of needing to step into another role at the church. And right about that time, they had seen for years this woman first uh, in addiction and then in recovery, and then leading other people out of their addiction. And now she's running Celebrate recovery at that church. So she went from being enslaved to this addiction to leading other people to freedom. God uses freed people to free people. If you've experienced freedom in your life, God can use you to help others. Ben mentioned earlier just the importance of recognizing what we want to be free from. But I want to add to that and talk about what God frees us for. Because God can free us from addiction and then free us for loving addicts in recovery. God can free you from porn and free you for loving others genuinely. God can free you from slavery to gossip and free you for truth-telling. He can free you from your greed and free you for generosity. Whatever it is, he will give you a life after slavery. And there's just no question in my mind that true freedom from God is so much greater than the comforts of slavery. We would have no idea 
who Moses was if he stayed in Midian. We would not know that name. We would not care about his life. If he had chosen the comforts of Midian, we would never know who he was. But because he left, he confronted an Egyptian king, he performed miracles, he led a people out of slavery, he saw God in a burning bush and on Mount Sinai. That is greater than the comforts of slavery. The question we started with at the beginning is, do you really want to be free? The answer is yes. Because true freedom is so, so much greater than slavery. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of freedom. We know that sin is not just mistakes we make, but an enslaving power. It always wants to bring us back to our old life. It always wants to return us to our vices so that we're enslaved. We pray that, like Moses we would be able to leave behind the comforts of slavery. We pray that you would not only free us from slavery, but free us for a life that you want us to live. Help us today. Help us see how our past is not just an obstacle that you have to overcome, but a time of preparation. We know the life that you want us to lead is a free life, but we don't always know how that looks. Give us clarity and wisdom as we seek to know the freedom that you have to offer. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.